Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm host Winsor Burns, and my counterpart Savon Morris was not able to be here for this segment, but I am joined by a special guest once again, Trent Morales. And if you don't know Trent by now, you, you just haven't listened to the show. Trent, Trent is one of our is one of our most featured guests on our movie reviews. He's going to be in for this uh, Knives Out review, but thanks for being back on, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, it's always it's always fun to hang out with you guys and uh, hear y'all's perspective, and uh, uh, we, we 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 got a fun one coming for you guys tonight. Yes, absolutely. And uh, to start off with the Knives Out review, um, dealing with the overview, Knives Out is a 2019 mystery film written and directed by Ryan Johnson, produced by Johnson and Ram Bergman. Follows a master detective investigating the death of the patriarch of a wealthy, dysfunctional family. Um, the film features an, an ensemble cast, including Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna Day Armas, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, and Christopher Plummer. At a budget of $40 million and brought in $311.4 million in the box office. Also had a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, received three nominations at the 77th Golden Globe Awards and received Best Original Screenplay at the 73rd British Film Academy Awards and the 92nd Academy Awards. Um, this was, you know, when you look back at that year, 2019, that was a pretty stacked year in terms of like all the Oscar films that were you know, coming, uh, coming out and, and just, you know, heavily discussed and analyzed. But what were your initial thoughts of this film as one that was, you know, a keenly assembled suspense and just, you know, as I mentioned, had a, a really stellar ensemble? Uh, yeah, man. So they, you know, the, the film itself, um, I actually did not watch until the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. <laughs> I, uh, wow. I, 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 I had heard a lot about it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think too, like, you know, I don't know if I was ready to leave Chris Chris Evans' Captain America behind just yet. <laughs> you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned <laughs> that, you that mentioned, was an adjustment, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you mentioned twenty nineteen. We were, uh, yeah, that was when Endgame came out, and then you mm-hmm. just follow up with this. Like, I mean, you could tell it's like a bizarre looking film with knives yes. out, and uh, um, so I, this I I was definitely interested in seeing it. Just never got around to the theater to see it, but when I did mm-hmm. finally watch it, I was like. This is awesome. I really enjoyed yes. it. I, I I remember like, um, like I said you know, earlier in the pandemic of uh, I think it was like late March or early April. Um, I watched it and I, my wife came home and was like, "Hey, you've got to watch this movie with me. <laughs> let's, let's watch this." <laughs> and and she and she and she enjoyed it as well too. So uh, yeah, overall impressions was like you know just a just a good you know kind of sleek different take on a crime story on a murder mm-hmm. mystery and uh i mean it, it it almost kind of felt like you were watching like clue but in like right. a much more mature fashion mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's an interesting point that you mentioned because like with some films that are like really they kind of have a fresh take on on, on a different on, on a genre in a different way than you're usually seeing some of those films like you have to like rewatch like a day or two days after like do you think that's what that may be another thing that made this film just like just just so unique is just how quickly you have you wanted to rewatch it and go back and look at it oh uh, i completely agree yeah it's it it, de- it definitely it carries it carries rewatchability and this yeah. is something that um not every film carries um mm-hmm. and uh this one definitely has that and i think there's a reason you know uh if you don't notice by now but there's a reason they've greenlit a sequel for this film because yes. it was so, because it was so well received overall, 
So I think that that speaks to the, I mean, and also to you, you mentioned they spent $40 million making it, which I'm, you know, if you watch this film, you can obviously tell like most of that budget was spent towards getting the people to, who in this mm-hmm. movie, like paying for their salaries. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a very, you know, just a very kind of, here, uh, here you go. This Here's where we're going. And I think it just kind of, yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes simple is good. And that's sometimes the best way to go. Absolutely. And, and starting off with our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would definitely give it four as this was just a thoroughly satisfying mystery with um, well-drawn uh, idiosyncratic uh, uh, characters as it was just, you know, just so fresh and unique with viewers unanim- unanimously wanting to find out uh, the truth and what was, you know, really going to be the final conclusion um, to you. What from one to four stars, what would you give it and kind of uh, some of your reasons for it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with four stars, man. Um, yeah. Just a uh, you know, great, great ensemble cast. Uh, you know, this was the, um, the first time I really got to see a movie with uh, Anna Anna Dale. Yeah, you, you just said her name, but uh, our, our lead actress. Um, first yeah, time I really Anna got to kind of, like, yeah, 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 yeah. First time I really got to really take her in as an actress. I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board with this. I yes. um, you, know, if you, you just look at the cast overall. You know, I've, you know, of course we know Daniel Craig from 007. You know, Chris Evans from. The Marvel Universe, Anna de Armas and what she's done. Jamie Lee Curtis has been around for a while. Michael Shannon, on and on. Of course, and, and our friend of the podcast, Lakeith Stanfield. You know everybody, yes, everybody time. that we really enjoy. Yeah, and you know, rest in peace to the great Christopher Plummer, who had a great role mm-hmm. in uh, Inside Man. So, um, all, you know, all these different casts just really kind of drives this film well. And I think, and and, and this may be an unpopular opinion among some listeners, but I think what Ryan Johnson wanted to do with star Wars works better here as far as like, mm. uh, as far as like comedy kind of, you know, where he wants to take stories, like kind of the, the, the left turns he wants to take. It works better in this franchise. than I think it landed with star Wars. That's, that's my own personal opinion. Nobody has to agree you know, with that. We, we had to bring it up. We had, there's <laughs> yeah, the elephant in the room. Up. Okay. We, we can right. we leave it that's out. Right. The, the last Jedi, we know a lot of you guys didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean that's a big part of it. We, we we know you love the Tyler Burns. We're looking at you right now. Yes, yes, <laughs> calling you out. We hope you're listening We're to calling. this one. Maybe you can be on for the Last Jedi review. Wink, wink. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Uh, but but yeah, man, yeah, definitely four stars. Uh, I just love uh, the the balance of the cast and the balance of you know, kind of. Uh, the different characters that are at play and how just um, it just flows really well throughout the entire film. Yeah, definitely. And, and another actor who is, you know, a very high profile one because of the role he, he's been in with James Bond, Daniel Craig, you know, no time to die is, is coming up in October. And this was a different type of role for him. Like what was your thoughts on him, just not seeing him in a, in a, in the same state that he usually is in? Cause James Bond, like that's as high prof- profile of a character you can get. And now he's in a, a different type of role, a different type of accent, just really just reshaping his image. And I, I thought he put it off greatly. Like I, he had one of the most impressive performances to me in this entire um, in, in this in, in entire film. What were kind of your thoughts on what he was able to, to do in this one? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, you know, the, there's one complaint I have about the film is that like, that accent was 
awful, bro. It was so bad. Yeah. Like, you know, trying to pull up this, uh, you know, English trying to pull It wasn't up believable. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, 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 you know, but, but honestly, though, but you have to wonder, though, in, like, was that part of the of the character development that we make we make him feel so unbelievable that when right. you know yeah you know, when when the turn happens and he kind of lays out everything before it's like oh he actually knows what he's doing so mm-hmm. um but yes to to see daniel craig you know outside of the james bond universe was was fun i think he you know and, and that's one thing i think I, i'm sure he looks forward to as well you know we had the last bond film coming out here soon yes uh, i'm know he's he's probably looking forward to doing other films besides you know the british secret service uh but uh but yeah i thought he was great um he made the character you know engaging and at times funny um you know with his little quips and all that kind of stuff so right. uh yeah it, daniel craig was definitely a, a highlight for me absolutely and, and now transitioning to favorite character um for, for me it was marta as this is just the type of character that wasn't self-centered as you know she still thinks of others first even when she's at risk and and to me she is kind of the character that you know obviously is becomes the, the center of attention the focal point of the movie and i thought she was a really kind of you know dynamic interesting character uh to you kind of like overall who's your favorite character yeah I, i'm a role with marta as well too like again like man, this was kind of the first time i really i got to sit down with Anna de armas and see yeah. her in action and yeah i just thought that you know the way that she kind of, you know, just kind of carried her her character with this kind of like almost like grace of like mm-hmm. just kind of flowing through this movie, and uh, I was like, oh wow, she just really like she's really kind of making me believe that you know what she's what she's doing right now, and right. Uh, but and then her character actually kind of like faces the the trials and what's going on with this film. I mean, from the moment when you know she is handed the entire estate, you know, in front of the entire family, and how um that scene uh so if you, you i can see it right now in my picture because like in my head uh, it's a scene where she's walking out of the house and then a family is following her and the camera just starts going like bonkers like sideways and all that kind of stuff and her world just like crashing and burning down all around her it's like what what, yeah. what do i do but then to go from there to the very end where she's standing on you know the ledge holding her coffee cup it's like you know my house my rules like she's like epic. just epic. I mean just, yeah, epic. <laughs> I mean it's like I, I'm in charge now. I, you know. Yeah. So um yeah, so it was definitely fun to see her character just really kind of you know develop and uh grow and uh yeah, it was a joy to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um now this is something we rarely do, but but was there a character out of this cast that you think that do you think their role could be could it could have been developed more? Like if, if you were the, mm-hmm. the if you were the director, like do you think there was one that you may have wanted to see more of, but just couldn't in this one. Mm, that's, that's a really good question. Um, mm. I'm actually looking at the cast right now as we uh, as we record in this. Um, because I know like, like like Lakeith Stanfield, he was in a, a more kind of resort reserve role. He didn't have like a, right. a, as much as as he as much as weight that he would be able to put on in, mm. in more movies. Um, but I but I do think like my thoughts are overall like mostly everybody kind of was able to get their fair share of it. Some people were able to right. get it a little bit more. Um, Lakeith Sanfield is the one that stands out just because, you know, he is such a high profile character, but um, I, 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 know, I know that was kind of a, 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 a random question, but, 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 but this, it is interesting because this is such a high ensemble cast and sometimes people can wonder right. like, was there somebody that didn't get enough mm-hmm. share of, of what they usually get in other films? 
Yeah, yeah. I would say you know the you know, the one thing that stands out about the film, uh, or one of the main things that stands out about the film, was uh, um, the the old great Nana who was like, yes, who was like witnessing all this stuff going on. It's like I I was like waiting for her to just spill the beans on everything that happened Definitely. to everybody. Definitely. Uh, but um, but I think yeah, like he Stanford was great. Um, and just how he you know, again, carried his role. Um, and then the, the young kid, Jacob Thromby, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, you know, he, he's, he's a kid all wrapped up in, you know, trolling on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> I was, I, I was ready for somebody to kind of set him in his place and just be like, yeah. Hey, look, yeah. Like, very he, entitled. He, right. Yeah. He, <laughs> you're, you're very entitled. Get off Twitter. Go, like, go play baseball. Do something with your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so but uh, but yeah, I think overall, I think everybody, you know, everybody got what they needed. I think there was just enough of the family. I don't think I could have taken too much of the family dynamic because they were a little mm-hmm. too drama heavy for me. Um, but but I think everybody, yeah, everybody played a good role, and everybody and everything kind of fell into place really well. Absolutely. Um, transitioning to most memorable scenes. Um, first, I had a lethal mistake where Marta accidentally injects Harlan with a lethal mm-hmm. dose of morphine. Um, Harlan's plan, Harlan gives uh, Marta instructions on how to escape the situation without drawing suspension, suspicion to herself. Um, Ransom's out of the will where Walt tells the family that Jacob <laughs> overheard Ransom uh, uh, arguing with his grandfather about his prior will to death. I mean, to me, like, that's where the movie escalates. Like, like, like that's oh, the scene sure. where you really start to see, see the, the impetus uh, of the movie. Um, another one, Harlan's will, um, at the reading of Harlan's will, the entire Thromby family is dismayed to find that he has left all of his belongings to Marta. Um, a twisted web where uh, Blanc reveals that he believes Ransom framed Marta for Harlan's death after finding out about her inheritance. And finally, uh, the confession scene where, where when, Hansa, when Ransom uh, hears Fran is still alive, he confesses to attempting to murder her. Um, Harlan's will will probably be my pick because that was the one oh, where yeah. they really see, yo, the, 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 Marta is the one. Like, Marta is yeah. the one who's about to get everything. This is, like the end of the movie says, my house, my rules. Like, it really showed it, it revealed itself in that scene. Um, but to you, kind of like what was uh, maybe one or two of your memorable scenes from uh, this movie? Um, the the scene where like uh, like right before the the will reading, when mm-hmm. they're like uh, you know throwing ransom under the bus for like not showing up to the funeral and all that stuff. He's like, right. you know what? Eat crap. Eat crap. Eat crap. <laughs> like, I, mean, I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> like he's just like going off on all of them. Uh, even and, even, and, even when I last watched that, like that scene just had me rolling. Like, like right. that was another oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so awesome. Um, and then the, um, um, the, the, like the, the final reveal, um, you know, when it was like, oh, it's like you, you, you can't tell a lie without losing your guts. And, and she reveals everything. Like it's all laid out before the entire family. Oh, this is what happened. Right. And um, and yeah, it was it was like oh, because well, I mean, up leading up to that point, I was like, like oh, is she like did she really do this? And then also you saw the look her face like nope, nope, she did, she did, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and, it, and 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 it was all revealed. So definitely, um, transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had uh, we, the, the 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 quote that 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 you even sent me. We we we've gotta do this more often from Ransom. We, we, we've gotta do this more often. Uh, the family <laughs> is truly desperate from Blanc. Um, just the thought of lying makes me puke from Marta. Uh, the complexity yeah. and the gray lie, not in the truth of what you do with the truth once you have it from Blanc. And uh, finally, uh, it's a twisted web and we're not finished untangling it. Not yet. Uh, another one from Blanc. Um, to you, kind of like what were some of your memorable quotes or maybe one in particular that you had from uh, Knives Out? 
Uh, yeah, so this is uh, between uh, Marta and Blanc. Uh, you're not much of a detective, are you? And so, well, to be fair, you make a pretty lousy murderer. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the quote about the donut. <laughs> oh, yes. it's like, it's like we, we have a hole in the donut right here you know um so yeah I, I suspect foul play i've eliminated no suspects um i mean just a yeah i mean definitely block had a ton of like things that stand out uh and um yeah it's it's it's, it's so funny yeah it is um now interesting to what did you like the most about the storyline um, to me, just how it was packed with, with just so much uh, uh, ingenuity and there being social mes- messages like embedded in all of it um, really deeply. Uh, what were your, what was kind of like one element uh, in particular about the storyline that uh, you kind of liked the most? Well, not the storyline I liked the most. Um, so I think, you know, if, I think we definitely have a, a track record uh, for the pop, you know, for the, for the uh, for the movies that we watch and that we review together on this podcast, like mm-hmm. we 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 are a fan of the of the twists and the turns and yes. just how um, and how like you know you think it's going this way and then it turns one way. Um, definitely with the you know the murder mystery thing. You know, it's not as it's definitely murder mystery, but it's not as heavy as like say a movie like Seven is. You know, but it's yeah. like a little more much more lighthearted, much more easy to digest. And yeah, I think you know it's 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 a good little kind of break mentally. You know, we mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in the in the heavy flicks and the heavy films. You know, with all of it's not a hard hitting film. No, not not at all, not at yeah. all. But it hits. But when it does hit, it hits really well. And I yes. think, and that's one thing you can just appreciate is just that um, you're able to really kind of take it in, and be like, oh, this is you know, this this is, this is a pretty fun film. And and now, of course, now. Again, we get, we get to look, we get to see how it expands further uh, as as the, as the universe of Knives Out continues to go on. Definitely, and, and as you mentioned, it, it's it's gonna the universe is gonna expand. There's there's a sequel that I believe is coming out in in uh, in 2022. What are your thoughts on like what would you like to see in the sequel in terms of like to me like I, I love the fact they're gonna make another one because this cast just worked together so well. Everything was just, you know, the tapestry of it was, was just thought out um, in, in a very detailed manner. What in particular about the sequel do you want to see or, or some things you want to kind of possibly uh, have them expand on? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if, you know, what, I'm, actually, I'm actually pulling up the, uh, um, the, the stuff right now. So, so there, there is no plot announced. Um, right. But let's say we got Ethan Hawke in this one. Okay, I'm, I'm here for that. Yes. I'm here yep. for that. Um, so, uh, so you know, for us, you know, for, for me, and, and what I want to see is, I want to see like, you know, Daniel Craig and Block really expand. Like, you know, I want to see like there just be just this growth in his character. You know, we're going to dive more into his past. You know, as a as a detective, because you know, coming into this case, like he seemed to carry this real pristine. You know, like like people knew who he was. Like there was definitely right. an awareness of what he had done as a detective and all that stuff. So I, you know, you know, I would love to see the potentially kind of dive into his history and what what kind of shaped him, made him the detective that he is. Um, and we'll we'll see. You know, you just never know. But I think you know, right to back seeing that. And, and we have of, Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr. is going to be in the oh, sequel too. Goodness! Oh, Leslie. oh my goodness! Is he up? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> Edward yeah. Norton. Edward Norton as well. I'm just looking at the 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 knives out two cast is is gonna yeah, be pretty it, dynamic. It, it, as well. This could end up being. Yeah, we got Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn. Um, man, yeah, this could end up being, of course, you know, Catherine Hahn's coming off her uh, her bright moment as uh, in WandaVision. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, this, could, this could end up being really nice and really fun. Um, so, and, um, and you're right. I mean, even though we don't have that main cast back for the second film, you know, I think that's what continues to allow the, these things. I to don't be think that's a bad thing. I kind of feel yeah, like exactly. that cast like yeah. did what it need. Like we saw the conclusion of it. Now we like it's good exactly. to see something else because I don't think there was anything more that cast could expand on. I really feel as though them reshaping right. it, still having Daniel Craig is like a really smart way to keep this thing rolling. Exactly. What you do there is you. It's like you, you combine. You combine. You, you, you keep it congruent, but you basically yes. you're still allowing it to grow and explore other parts of the of the territory that they can go into it's 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 a star wars problem you know like where it's mm-hmm. like you, you can only focus so much on one storyline like you know the mandalorian yeah. does great because it goes and does things that we are not we have not seen so um but same thing with knives out right here you know if you if you continue to go to the well with the same cast yes you you might you might you might you you might land a seat that might be mm-hmm. great but man it, it, it We've talked about this before. It is so hard to really replicate and capture that same feeling over and over again. Especially um, a sequel. A sequel is tough exactly. to pull off. <laughs> it's yeah, tough to exactly. pull off. I mean, you, you, you have got, you've got to nail it if you're going to do the sequel. But this, in this case, now what you have is, you know, I mean, there's absolutely, there's absolutely the studio pressure to, to do your job and make a successful film that makes money. But the pressure of having to recreate what was in the first film, mm-hmm. I don't think it's there because this is a totally different cast. So you're right. walk, we're basically we're walking in like this could very well be Knives Out one for us. Like even though even though everybody yeah. knows it's going to be a sequel, this could very well be for some people like Knives Out one because they have not even it's going to be a completely different cast, different story most likely, everything like that. So uh, I'm sure we'll be back here. You know, maybe maybe this year around 2022, we'll be back here. Oh yes, reviewing, we're gonna be back here. We'll save on. We'll save on. That's right. That's right. I save on. We're we're putting some you in right now. You can't you can't erase it out. Definitely. So. Knives out too. 2022. We'll, that review will definitely be coming. Um, That's so right. But get, but get getting to our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think this will be watched one intriguing? I, I definitely think it will. Like. Out of all the films in 2019, th- there are so many that I think will, will age well. Like, obviously, we had Parasite. We had um, mm-hmm. Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, that was just an, an exceptional year of movies. And I think yeah. this one is going to even age um, ju- just as well um, in terms of just, like, the, the entertainment, the, the, the way the cast was put together, um, how it just left, you know, uh, put you on, on, on pins and needles until the, the, the final end. Um, to, to you, like, 10 years from now, what do you think will, will continue to make this um, just a watchable and intriguing movie. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely going to still be watchable. Um, and, uh, and but, but I also think too that it could very well fall to, I can see this film falling into like a, a sense of like, you have to, you have to dig to find this film. Yes. Not because it's not, not because it's going, it's not to just going to show up. 
Right, right. It's it's not going to pop up, you know, immediately as a hey, you should watch this film or you, you mm-hmm. know, recommend this film. But I think that when people do find it, you watch it, be like, oh, this is actually pretty great. You know, I I, I, I want I want to keep watching this. So, um, and of course, again, as always, people like yourself and myself, we will always you know pass along. Hey, if you want to watch a good film, here's here's one you could actually do, <laughs> and yeah, and, and and they'll keep doing that. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, and Trini, you know, I'm always forecasting other other Nolan movies we can we can we, we, we can review. <laughs> We've already done Memento, you know, yeah. done Dark Knight Rises, uh, mm-hmm. The Prestige. Yeah. Before we before we leave before we leave, what what is it? Yeah. Yeah, we did Tenet. Yeah, we did Tenet. Yeah. What is another Nolan film? The listeners want to know what's the next Nolan film the cast is going to do. What is another oh, one we can man. do? We haven't done Dunkirk. We haven't done Psycho. We, we, we haven't even done Batman Begins. Is there a Nolan film, another Nolan film you want to review for, for the next time you're on? I'm, I'm just throwing it out oh, there. Oh, man. Man, um, man, Batman Begins sounds really intriguing. Yes, because, I mean, that's very a, intriguing. That's a, that's, that's, a very, that's a young Trent Morales right there. It's like 14, 15-year-old yes. Trent Morales. So, um, But you know what? Let's... Um, Let's let's go let's go way back. Let's definitely do let's let's do Psycho the next time around. Definitely Psycho. You got you guys heard it here first. Psycho <laughs> will be coming in the very in the very very near near future. Very well, Trin, near future. Yes, absolutely. Well, Trent, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on as always, and uh, thanks for being back on. Absolutely, man. Uh, uh, much love and appreciation for what you guys do. Keep it up, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you guys soon. Definitely. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into the second half of our topics, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How is everything? It's going pretty good, and um, for this set, we're going to get into just like a couple of thoughts on um, the finals, um, also some some Team USA thoughts and a, a, a couple of album reviews, but to start off with just thoughts on um, Milwaukee's dramatic Game 5 road win and them being just you know one win away from a title. Um, the Bucks were able to have a four-point win in Phoenix, and Drew Holiday's, you know, pivotal steal um, from Devin Booker and the alley-oop pass to Giannis was, you know, able to seal the game, which, you know, Drew Holiday, what he was able to do was, like, one of the biggest, you know, defensive moments of this series. And Giannis had 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Chris Middleton had 29 points, along with Holiday's 27 points and 13 assists. And after just, you know, a really, like, strong 16-point lead from the Suns earlier where they were just able to get on a hot streak, um, the Bucks were able to make 32 of 45 shots in the middle two tw- in the middle two quarters, um, outscoring the Suns 79 to 53 during that stretch. Um, what are your thoughts on just how this series has dramatically changed and um, how Milwaukee was really able to step up on the road after an advert and, and just dealing with immediate adversity and coming back to have the chance to to, to just be one win away from a title. Man, this is a crazy turn of events. You know, we looked at game yeah. three or four, and you know they, they they win, and you just look at why they won. You know, remember the time we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago? If Giannis right. has forty two points, or he has to get forty two points by himself, they're going to lose. And then Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday they step up, and you know they add to that. But now for this game, just particular, it was kind of interesting how. Uh, how the Bucks kind of came back. They had a great second quarter. But you look at the uh, the Phoenix Suns, they're a very technical team. They do everything by the book. 
They're very fundamentally sound. You have yeah. to beat them at the, the most tactical things. And the second quarter was their biggest upset for them. We already already knew the Phoenix Suns were going to come out in the first quarter and just go bananas, shooting 14 from 19. And they had a good run. In the second quarter, the Bucks came out. And the biggest difference, which is really crazy, Drew Holiday, yes. a couple of years ago. Stepped up big Eric, time. Big time. Because he's always good on, on the defensive side. Um, but, but now he, it's translating to the offense. Exactly. Exactly. And him shooting better, him being able to find his, his shot a little bit. And you think about the difference between Eric Blitzo and Drew Holiday. Because <laughs> Drew Holiday was still <laughs> with the Pelicans, and Eric Blitzo was – he wasn't a bad player, but he just didn't fit into the scheme. And then you have, you know, Giannis, the, the famous steal, and the alley hoop, man. It's just everything is leaning towards them getting a title over 50 years later. You know, it's it's one of those Cinderella stories. I want CP3 to get it. I th- still think they have a chance. I said a sweep, but when you're – Top guys get 42 points. I think it was 42 for uh, something like that. Chris had 42, and then Giannis had yeah. forgot well, in game four. But 20. Yeah. So, Giannis, had, Giannis and Chris really just have <laughs> been playing top-level basketball these last last few games. And then with what Drew Holiday's transformation and what he's been able to do, like that's just, just been an amazing piece to it. Like in terms of looking, like we've always said about Milwaukee that they have the pieces, I, I mean, in terms of like, having just an, an amazing lead player in Giannis, they have the ability to make deep runs. Like, do you think the last few years in, in terms of just some of the adversity they dealt with, like, you know, losing to Miami, um, you know, mm-hmm. losing to Toronto, that Eastern Conference Finals, do you think losses like that were are, are kind of like stepping stones and just were able to like, you know, prepare them for this type of run where they, they've dealt with adversity in the past and now they're, they're kind of finally putting all the pieces together and possibly able to get over that hump? You know, this is going to sound crazy. I don't think it's adversity. I think it's finding the right pieces. Because like right. I said, they had Eric Blissow before. The, they acquired Drew Holiday. They acquired uh, – sent some guys off. They got a, a decent bench who will come off and make some shots. Um, Chris Middleton is continuing to <laughs> grow in himself. And it's so funny. All his coaches think he's not, you know, playing hard. But if you really look at it, the guy is giving his all. Like He really is. He goes crazy. He's just like a nonchalant. Just, you know, he's like a Kawhi. You know, they don't really don't show emotion. He's, he's like Kawhi 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> no I, expression. I think, <laughs> they just show emotion. But I think he's just finding the pieces that work for them. I don't think they – yeah, they've been in this place before, but they didn't have, what you know, the, the, the pieces they have now. I think Drew Holiday is one of the, you know, a, a good addition to them. And, and if somebody I, – I, you know, his, his shot wasn't there, but on the defensive side, Eric Blissow really didn't give you that on the front court and back court. So I don't, I don't think it's adversity. I think it's just finding the different pieces for them that, that fit. And then Giannis continuing to step in a role and trying to find different angles of his game and improving that. And Chris Middleton, I mean, he's going to, he's going to give you his all. So Definitely. I don't think it's adversity. I don't think it's adversity. I think, well, it's adversity for the Suns because this is the first time they've been on the ropes in a long time. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. And, and, and that's that's kind of like one of the last things I wanted to get to. I personally feel as though Milwaukee's going to close this out in, in game six. Wow. But do you feel as though this will extend to a seven? Like, like how do you see this series playing out? Because, like, every time we do these episodes, something – like, the last time we did it, the Suns were up 2-0. Now it's, it's 3-2 Milwaukee. Like, how do you think right. this series plays out um, in terms of just the finality of it? It's going to go to game seven. I think okay. – I think with this, you, you, you look at – I think they go back and look what they did. They only lost about four points. I think that the big steal is a lot of uh, turning points. Because you look at it, they forced six turnovers in the first quarter, 
and then the Bucks had a great second quarter, and then and then it was it was close from third and fourth until the big steal, Alihu, and a couple other plays. So I think it was still fairly close. It wasn't a big difference um, in scoring, obviously only four points. But I think when it when it comes to game game six, I think CP three Devin Booker, he's going to go crazy. I, I think they they get back to the fundamentals that that got them there. They got them a couple sweeps. They got them to this position that they haven't been on the ropes. But I think it's going to be a good idea for them to figure out what they're going to do uh, <laughs> with Drew Holiday. They need to force yeah. him to shoot. And to force That's him one of the shoot. biggest key factors. Exactly. I think he's a difference maker because we know yes. Chris Middleton is going to – he might have he's a – He's going to get shoot, his. Yeah, he might have a shooting slump here and there, but it's, he's going to do him. And Giannis is going to, you know, run a – you know, 34 dive up the court and then try to do a Euro <laughs> step and lay it up or duck it. We're going to – we know something dramatic. You know that. But if you make Drew Holiday shoot and try to make him beat you with his shooting, and it may backfire. But most of the mm-hmm. time, I think they're eight to six when he he scores over twenty points and and like four and something in the in the postseason when he doesn't score, he scores under twenty points. So make him force him to make you beat. You force him to. You force him to shoot. You force him to try to. You know go outside the role that he's in. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think, you know, CP3 and then is going to come back for game six and, and zip it up. It's going to go game seven. I don't know who's going to win game mm-hmm. seven, but I know it's going to go game seven. Yeah, it, it definitely will be an interesting, interesting, fascinating finish. Um, transitioning to Kawhi's AC, ACL injury news and just also there being no timetable for his return. Um, this past Tuesday, uh, Kawhi Leonard underwent successful surgery on to uh, um to repair a partial tear of the ACL in his right knee, and with um no one knowing when he will, when he will come back, the Clippers are in a position where Leonard's just health and future are at the forefront. Um, he averaged twenty four point eight points, six point five rebounds, and five point two assists in fifty two regular season games this year. Um, but what are your thoughts on what this you know news means for Kawhi and what this might mean for his future with the Clippers? Because you know two years ago he makes the decision to go there. Um, they get, you know, have a short early exit second round against um uh, against Denver last year in the bubble. This year, they're able to get to the conference finals and Paul George and a lot of the other um supporting pieces step up. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, there were thoughts of, hey, how would that look with Kawhi and, and how far would they would they have been able to got with him um, um to, to have advanced with him? How do you think this this news translates to what um his possible future with the Clippers are and you know where it where it might be elsewhere? It's difficult to say at this point because they were okay with him low, low managing. They were okay yeah. with him living outside of the living area that they designed for their players. You know, Kawhi gets a different treatment because he's Kawhi Leonard. He has a high, high caliber of talent. But I think when it comes to organization, you look at a guy you invested in, he's been injured the, the entire time he's been in your organization. That's kind of like a red flag. And, and, and more so looking at his career individually, what is Kawhi becoming? I know he has an NBA championship, and I know he's, he's – no, he got multiple NBA championships. Um, right. But what does that say about his career? Is he going to become a brand, you know, Brandon Roy? He's going to become a Penny Hardaway or a Tracy McGrady, these guys who had phenomenal talent and has been hindered by, you know, injuries. We haven't seen Kawhi fully healthy in a long time since his younger days with San Antonio Spurs. So I think we, we you have a leniency with Kawhi as an organization, but when does it say, hey, 
you gotta. We, we don't know what we're gonna do with you. I know they're not gonna trade him. Of course not. Why right, would you trade yeah. Kawhi Leonard? But it's just finding. It's just I guess not being so lenient for him, and we gotta because he doesn't trust the doctors still. This I've, I've read some reports he still doesn't trust uh, uh, the the Clippers doctors. He didn't trust the Toronto Raptors doctors. He didn't trust the San Antonio Spurs doctors. So I don't know yeah. what doctors. There's been a does strong trust. history of this. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just a lot of leniency for Kawhi. I, I don't. I don't know. But this injury, we don't didn't know a timetable. So they kind of up in the air. Now you have to depend on Paul George and Patrick Patrick Beverly and some other guys. But I don't know, man. As an organization, I'm looking like, did we make the right decision to get Kawhi mm. to acquire Kawhi? It, it it makes you revisit that. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. It makes me think. Okay, Lowe's management was a good idea, but it's not a good idea because some players haven't got hurt who didn't do Lowe's management, and the players who did low management got hurt. So he got I mean, hurt. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. And you look at how tough the West is going to get even next year with Clay coming back. The Lakers are going to be at full strength. Denver is going to get Jamal Murray. It, it also feels as though one of those things where the outlook of the West is even going to get like like tougher do you think in terms of um just with with how they're gonna have to like wait uh, um for Kawhi? do you think this Clippers team even without him to start the season like where do you think they rank in terms of like the the um the West team do you think they're going to be like a middle of the pack team as long as Kawhi is uh is um is not playing I think so I think yeah when you mentioned <laughs> Clay Thompson coming back I think he's going to be fully healthy I saw him video shooting three-pointers he's like I'm tired of losing so <laughs> he's ready. Let's, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's just shoot some three pointers. But he's going to be completely healthy. Uh, Splash Brothers is going to be back. Um, Jamal Murray is going to be back with Jokic. Um, you know, AD is supposed to be back. You know, it's just you think about these other teams. Even the Spurs, I think, is better <laughs> better than the Clippers <laughs> without Kawhi Leonard. That's just that's just me being you know as a goof. But I think they're in the middle of the pack. Paul George did a phenomenal job trying to lead them, but he's just not enough. Um, maybe in his younger days when he was with uh, the Indiana Pacers, but Pacers, no, not not at this moment. But they're in the middle of the pack, though. Definitely. Um, transitioning to just thoughts on um, Team USA's early struggles and then the changes that they're going to have to make. Um, coming off of two straight pre-Olympic exhibition game losses, they were able to have a 28-point win Tuesday night against Argentina. And even recently, they're experiencing COVID issues with Bradley Beal being uh, put in health and safety protocol Wednesday, mm-hmm. then was ruled out of the Olympics on Thursday. Uh, in addition to this, the USA basketball announced late Thursday night that the men's game against Australia uh, scheduled for Friday night in Las Vegas had been canceled out in abundance of caution. Um, but what are your thoughts on the early struggles of Team USA and also the health concerns as they're probably going to have to reconstruct this roster with um, Bradley Beal being out for the Tokyo Olympics? Well, yeah, and then Kevin Love is out. They just added um, Javon McGee. Uh, Javon yeah, McGee. McGee. Um, then they had, what, Kellen Johnson? I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I, I was – Think you know some other players? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name a few like LeBron James or you know, some other guys should have got on the team. But you know, when you you played in the Olympics for so long, you got you know other goals. But I don't know what's the problem. To be honest with you, they have a, a, a good setup. They have KD. They have Damian Lillard. They have some Damian guys. Lillard. They have some guys. I don't understand what what's the struggles. Maybe it's because they haven't played together. It's, I, I don't know. Like I've been trying to wrap, I saw the question. I've been trying to wrap my head around it. It's not like you don't have top tier players. Like the yeah. one, the one year they was just like, "Ooh, why? Who's these guys?" 
still has a top-tier guy to it. But they have got – look, I don't, I, I'm trying to wrap around and, it. I watched the game or so, and I'm just like, I don't understand. And some people have said it's the it's the fact that the USA, they you know, the, the guys they have now, they play a perimeter-based style. They don't have as many big men. And other teams, like other countries, they've implemented that three-point three shooting style, and now they're able to outdo them because they have more – you know, they have a, as many good shooters. Like, do you think the perimeter play may also be a factor as well? Like, some teams are they, – they've seen the style that the USA have done, and they're now they're implementing those players in their system? Uh, yeah, that is an excellent point, actually. I think so, because the NBA has become so soft. And I think it's the referee play, because some of the fouls that they give in America and the NBA, they're not going to get in the Olympics. It's going to be more a hard-fought game. Um, and then yeah. when you when – you, when you adopt the NBA's type of style of play and then still have the core of yours, because at once upon a time, big men were the, the epitome of everything in your in your front court. So, I mean, right. we don't, they don't have any big men. Kevin Love, I, is, as a perimeter guy, I think when you add McGee, that gives you a different element. I would have, you know, see if Dwight Howard wanted to, to come out. Well, I don't think Joel Embiid's going to play with uh, America, but. I think that that's a good i that's a that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. It, it it really does it does make make you reconsider some things because like that that is a, a an ongoing element. Um, transitioning to our album review, starting off with with Pop Smoke's uh, Faith um, latest album and thoughts on what if this was able to build on his last album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Uh, in this latest second posthumous album from him, it's packed with um, many features and a broader palette. Um, you've got Kanye West, Chris Brown, Pusha T, Kid Cudi, and Dua Lipa were, you know, some of the high-profile guests. And this album, you know, it, it contains signature vocals over hard-hitting beats. And, you know, to me, it possibly didn't have the same effect, really didn't have the same effect as, as the first album because of uh, of the different, you know, lanes it went into. And it didn't seem as though it was one of those projects that is going to, like, be a long-running, like, impact that Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon was. But what are your thoughts on this album and if it was able to, to ex- expand on the first project or to you, in your opinion, did it not really reach that mark? And then I, I wanted, I was, I looked at, it's a, it's a reoccurring um, interview that Pop Smoke has. He was like, I don't, you know, do music or I don't, you know, rock with a lot of people because they envious. So all the guys that they put on this album, I don't think he would have wanted them on the album that makes sense mm-hmm. these features and i think i think it played a role into the sound of the album like you said it's a big difference from the first one i mean his, his first album and the second one i really didn't like this one i, I, didn't, I didn't think it really had any song that stood out the most and then the feature was the features were interesting but i don't mm-hmm. and it just didn't translate it didn't correlate with his style like that's what I'm thinking. Like if he was alive, I don't think these features would have happened. Would have I, think been a, I don't think some of them would have been there. No, and I think they were trying to build it up as much as possible. They probably scrapped something and add another verse. And, and the team is like, okay, who can we put on here that will bring some traction or have some people that want to listen to it? And you know, you plug somebody in and try to make them fit. But if the guy didn't gel with him in real life or the music doesn't gel, it's not going to sound good and it's not going to have the impact that, you know, his first project did. So, I mean, like, I don't think he would ever did a song with 42 Doug or 21 Savage. Mm. Rick Ross, yeah, I think he would have did a song with Rick Definitely Ross. Definitely with Rick Ross. Kanye with some Pusha T, he probably did one. Um, mm-hmm. Take Off, no. Lil TJ Swally, no. 
Um, it's just like certain people you know he would have did a track with. So it just, I don't know, it just, it just problems is like, it was just a, a interesting mix up of different artists just trying to make it as good as possible with 20 songs, 20 songs too. Long track list. What did you think about that? Because, I mean, the first album was a long track list as well. But he has some bangers on them. Yeah, he has some for sure. He has some bangers. I, I mean, if you're going to have to listen. I don't think anybody sits down and listens to an entire 20-song project in one day. Mm-mm. Unless you just have nothing to do with your life. <laughs> All the time in the world. <laughs> no responsibilities. <laughs> right. But I'm not listening to an entire 20-song. Like, I'm going to listen probably to the first 10 songs. If the first yeah. 10 songs entice me to like, okay, let me see what's the back end. Of it. And then I'm going to continue listening. But if the first thing, I stopped at um, Beat the Speaker. I stopped at that one. And then I yeah. came back and I listened to the rest of it. And I was like, I just can't do a straight run through of a 20, 20 plus uh, song project. Uh, this ain't it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah I don't think he would have <laughs> nah. this for it. He would have, I don't think he would have been confident in this enough to be like okay let's release it so and that's that's sad hope it doesn't okay yeah but do you but do you also think that like it's it's tougher sometimes to review like posthumous albums because like we we did juice world's legends never die review last summer like like Mm -hmm. do you think sometimes in terms of like an artist not still not being here not being able to oversee a project like artists who are still alive would be able to do like do you think sometimes that's that's kind of the, the tougher elements to like dissect a project because of the fact that the artist is no longer here and can't really, you know, oversee the final uh, production? I don't think so. I think it depends on your team and your label, of course. Yeah. Because with Juice World, they, they stuck to his guns and he still had the nucleus of like his, you know, I guess the foundation of his music would made him Juice World in that mm-hmm. album. It still was like, I'm not a fan of Juice World, but like he still had his sound of music in that album. And he had the features that correlated with the sound of his music that he would have did when he was alive. But with Pop Smoke, his team or label did not do him justice because excuse me, do him justice because of some of these features would never have made it. He probably would have said, I don't want them on that song. I'll just do it by myself. Like some of these these features I don't think he would have had. So I think it just depends mm-hmm. on the label and the team and what they're trying to do with it. Are they trying to push it just to, you know, rack up? Some more. I think when it when it comes to the Juice World album, I think they really wanted the world to hear because he's has they got about to release another one actually. Yeah, another Juice World album. So I I anticipate it to be it sounds like Juice World. Yeah, and the features if it has features on there, they're going to be features that he probably would have done when he was alive. So his Absolutely. team and label kind of you know what I mean you see what I'm saying like it, it they I guess not his dying wish. I don't want to say that, but they kept mm-hmm. him to the standards of what he's done to be so successful in music. I don't think they did that for Pop Smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now transitioning to uh, Charlotte Day Wilson's Alpha Review and just thoughts on her young career develop, uh, developing. In this de- debut album, Wilson draws variously from um, gospel, folk, and um, adult contemporary influences. And every song is really just a showcase of her, of her powerful voice, which is you know very deep and passionate. Um, one particularly impressive track, Mountains, which was um, co-written by Baby Babyface, where she's describing scaling peaks and searching valleys as there are just so many insular and, and personal lyrics um, and, and, and this, you know, this song and, and, and overall album. Um, what were your thoughts on this debut album? And was it a solid, a solid body of work, in uh, your opinion? Well, it was a different pace for me. 
for sure. Um, yeah. Her genre things. When <laughs> when I first pressed play, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, well, let's just switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I turned right, straight, it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's just switch it up. Well, let me switch it up on you. But no, I think, oh, man, it was – it wasn't hard to get into, but I love I like music similar to it, but it, it took me some time to kind of like allow my ears to be like, okay, let's okay, just indulge in it, listen to it. Because I'm mm-hmm. I'm not particular with the music. Like I'll give music a chance and I'll listen to it, of course. But if my ears yeah. don't gravitate to it, I know that's kind of weird to say. If my ears does not gravitate and my ears doesn't like it. I'm not gonna listen to it, but I think this was a good body of work. Um, mm-hmm. I think for her audience, I think it's probably lovely for them, but it's just for a guy who doesn't like particularly listen to her music or never heard of her. Like you know, her style, you know, her sound. It's gonna take me a uh, you know a little bit to kind of get into it, but I think it was a great body of work. I think her voice is nice. I think the her her production was really good. I think it was similar songs that were kind of reminding me of I don't know, man. <laughs> Toronto vibe. She, 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 she's, she's from Toronto. It, yeah, it, gave, it gave you a, a Toronto vibe. I don't know. I've read that on her um, her Apple because they can, you know, they give you a little brief little bio of the album yeah. and stuff like that. I saw she was from Canada. But I didn't I didn't hear from, like, she was from Canada for some reason. That's, I, I didn't, I, she didn't sound like she was from Canada. It, it's definitely a different, like, sonic, like, sonically, it, it's a very different type of album to listen to. And that's why, you know, I, I was trying to, like, review a different type of album. Like, do you think in, in sometimes in terms of just, like, hearing a different sound, it can, like, take a few listens? Or maybe just possibly it, you, you have to j- just take some time between each song to, like, really, like, you know, adjust to a different type of, you know, uh, sound and feel that you're not, you know, accustomed to, like, normally hearing. For sure. You know, I, T-Pain jokingly said it. He was like, uh, do something else. Do something different. Did you yes, see that do right? something different. <laughs> we got we got a little baby. We got the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's so like funny. that. It's it's different because you, I mean, it's it's a different sound. So it's obviously going to take you a little longer to kind of digest it. And, and then if, you know, regurgitate it, if you will. But if it's something you never heard, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's bad. It, I think it's a good sound. It's just something yeah. you have to grow into. And that's with any type of music. I think she has her own individual sound. Because I've said this before. I don't I don't think um like Sir, I don't I don't hear anybody sound like Sir. No one like him. No one like it. And I, I love his music. It took me a while to get to him, but I, I love his music. Um maybe for Alpha, I mean not Alpha, Charlie Day Wilson, I'll probably listen to it again and be like certain songs that really get me in the mood. She's a vibe though. Yes. That's the one thing I will say will probably get me to listen to her again because it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. And I, I like music that just, you know, you just put in the background and be like background music. You're, you're listening, but it's just like, you know, it makes you flow through the day. Like, this is what type of music that would be. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, now, listening to, to the Vision and Ty Dolla Sign's um, latest uh, single, I Believed It, um, this latest track that will be on their upcoming p- uh, collaborative album, and it, you know, uh, contains old school melodies and instrumentals with very impressive um, vocal performances, and the the way the the late Mac Miller was able to close out the track um, with his verse was you know very fitting and memorable. Um, what are your thoughts on this single, and just kind of your early expectations of a division, a division, and Ty Dolla Sign a collaborative album? Man, you gotta hate me, even Mac Miller. Was, man. <sighs> it was busy. <laughs> 
It was so busy. Really? You didn't like this one? It was busy, bro. Like, wow. The vision sound and Ty Dalla sound, it doesn't gel. What are they doing? It just sounds so busy. You really can't enjoy it. Because, you know, Division is a type of artist that you he really takes his time. Like, you look, look at um, his first EP project with Hallucinations and all that stuff, and then you look at Muse. He takes his time yeah. with music. Like, he, you really can't enjoy But with Ty Dolla Sign, it's like this, and he punches in with different alleys. Different yeah. pace. It, yeah, it's, it just sounds jumbled, and it sounds just chaotic. Certain songs will get away with that, but when you have a real singer in Division, which I mean, Division is a group, but I just use them as just mm-hmm. individual restaurants, it just yeah. sounds jumbled. There, there's just because some you don't need that much ad libs in certain songs. He doesn't, Division doesn't really do ad libs like like chaotic ad libs like that. So I don't know. It just it just felt like busy. It just felt jumbled. Just feel- wow, I'm surprised you did not like this track. <laughs> the I- last few singles that we were reviewed, the, the Jackie and I believe Jesse, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I like Matt Miller's verse. Did that? I yeah, mean, it was, we had a really good verse. He had a really good verse. It just sounded jumbled. Like, I didn't like yeah. I, It just sounded too busy. You're, a track can be too busy and you really can't enjoy it. I don't know. I'm, what I would you What would you want them to improve on, like in, in terms of like when they when they when their uh, project uh, comes out um, in, in in the in the upcoming weeks and months? Like, what would you want to like hear differently from them um, compared to what you heard from this song? First of all, take your time. Find a way to yeah. to gel. You look okay. We look at um, Anderson Pack and you look at um, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Now. Anderson can sing a little bit, but he's more of a, a, a pop rap singer. I mean, pop rap guy and a rapper. But it gels so good because none of them, mm-hmm. their music is chaotic. I mean, Anderson Pack has some up-tempo beats, but he's a rapper too, but he can change it up. Ty Dolla Sign will have to change his style up just a little bit to fit Division. Because if I don't know if you heard it in this song. I believe it. it I believe it. It just sounded like just jumbled and chaotic. Like it was just... And then I feel like Ty Dolla Sign was overtaking the song. Like it was just yeah, too he, he, much he was he was he was he was kind of trying to like make this his song. It did kind of sound like yeah, it was too much. And the vision was more like a, just a distant like ad lib or distant um, backup vocal, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you know, if the vision has to leave this album, this project, he would have, to, have leave to leave it. Yeah, because. I know Ty Dolla Sign does do ad-libs and backup vocals for some artists. He did it for Jane and um, None of Your Concern. He did it for Drake. He does it for a lot of people. Like, just allow Division to be the front runner and then just add your different elements in and out. Like, don't we don't want you to overpower Division because he's a soft-singing guy who can do falsetto and different elements of his voice. You just have to just have to fit well, and I, I don't think they will. Not with this song. It's just it just sounded too chaotic. And Ty Dolla Sign tried to be Ty Dolla Sign, feature Ty Dolla yeah. Sign, feature Ty Dolla Sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just sounded too jumbled, bro. Like I couldn't get into it. Like then I like I was waiting for Matt Miller's verse, and he killed it all. She rest in peace. To oh yeah, absolutely. I then, knocked out the part. Yeah, but everything else was just like okay. Ty Dolla Sign. You just in the studio, probably high and drunk. Like, dude, <laughs> I'm gonna sing everything. You gonna sing everything? Oh yeah, I'm gonna sing everything. <laughs> you should do backup vocals. Like, they're like, bro. Ty Dolla Sign featuring Division. <laughs> That's what it should have been called. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.